Most of what we do in our life, we do mediocre. I'd like to welcome Gail Golden to the Productivityist Podcast. Gail, thanks for joining me today. My pleasure. So the book, Curating Your Life, Ending the Struggle for Work-Life Balance. I, first off, uh, anyone who's listened to my podcast before knows that I have a tenuous relationship with the word balance. I, I've never, I mean, it's it's one of those words that I think it is has been corrupted to a degree. And so what I'd love to get from you out of the gate is what is your You've heard you obviously that this word has been presenting itself in a multitude of ways, especially in uncertain times where balance is tough to achieve. Uh, what do what do you mean by balance, and and how does curating your life kind of allow you to have more of of that if if it does, in fact? Okay, it's a great question. So I'm going to tell you a quick story so that you can see how I got to where I am. Sure. Um, I spent the first half of my career as a psychotherapist, uh, working with people who had all different kinds of personal and psychological issues they were struggling with. And then mid-career, I got really interested in how psychology could help business executives. So I went back to school and got an MBA. And so for the second half of my career, I've been working as an executive coach and a leadership consultant. The interesting thing I noticed over the two halves of my career with very different kinds of people was that there was one problem that afflicted nearly everybody that I talked to. And that was the sense of being overwhelmed, exhausted, and inadequate. And I thought to myself, you know, this is weird. We've been talking about work-life balance for as long as I can remember. But nobody from the stay-at-home parent to the, you know, executive of a global corporation seems to have a balanced life. And in fact, it has become a harmful concept, I think, because we look at other people and somehow we imagine that they've got balance and we don't. So that means there's something wrong with me. And that I just said, this is, this is not helping. There's got to be a better way to think about the problem of how do I use my energy to be most productive, to do the things that really matter, so that instead of feeling exhausted and inadequate, I can feel energized and, and competent and smart and good at the things that matter. And I started thinking about, instead of balance, how about if we think about the word curation? And if you think about how a museum curator puts an exhibit together, the first thing he or she has to do is figure out what is the museum about? What is the exhibit about? What, what am I trying to do here? Right. And then if that curator takes all the beautiful, wonderful objects that the museum owns and puts them all into the exhibit, there'll be a cluttered mess not an exhibit that speaks clearly to what it's supposed to be about. So first of all, the curator has to decide what doesn't go into my exhibit. It's wonderful, beautiful stuff, but it doesn't fit. And then the curator has to look at the things that are going to go into the exhibit and say, what are the things that they fit in, but they're not the main thing. Maybe they'll go off in a side room somewhere if people are really interested. And then what are the one, two, three objects that are the, the heart and soul of this exhibit. They're the really focus of it. I want people to see them when they first walk in. They go on the poster for the exhibit. What are those things? And I thought, what if we take that same process 
into how we think about how we're spending our energy, starting with what am I spending my energy on that doesn't fit into my life exhibit? And I should be saying, no, I should be eliminating that stuff now. Second, and this is the hardest part for many people, what goes into my exhibit, but it, I only have to be good enough. It's not the main thing. It's not where I wanna be great. It just needs to be good enough. As I said, for many people, that's really hard. If you do those two things, you eliminate the things that really don't fit and you accept good enough and the things that are good enough, you'll have the energy to focus on the things where it's your greatness. It's what really matters to you. It's what you're really good at. It's your passion. And that's the, the core, the heart of the difference between curating your life and work-life balance. Okay. The interesting thing you brought up there that I, I hooked into, I, I love the idea of curation because I talk about, the reason I don't like that term balance is because I prefer the term harmony, right? The more you you add, uh, it can get overwhelming, right? Like if you're listening to a good song, uh, just enough, like there, there's a point where there's too much harmony and you're like, okay, it's overwhelming, it's overwhelming, right? But mm -hmm. I love the idea, um, and that what you're talking about is in a, in a, in a, in a different sense is this striving for um, perfection in all these areas is a is a, a my, Jim Sinegal when I worked for Costco said like you know perfection is is the pursuit of perfection is is stupid like it's just not you're not going to get there it's not what instead you want to strive for excellence but I love the idea of of you know thinking about the 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 the, the exhibit as a whole and, mm -hmm. and you talk about in the book the idea of embracing mediocrity so i do can, can we lean into that a bit because i think a lot of people when they think about productivity and they think about putting their they they think well mediocrity there's no i have to go beyond that right right so so here's my take on mediocrity first of all most of what we do in our life we do mediocre mm -hmm. i mean we just do right i mean if you look at all the things you do in your life Many of them, they're good enough. But, you know, if somebody said, hey, Mike, what are you great at? You wouldn't say, you know, keeping my shoes shined or, you know, whatever, all those those activities, right? right? You're good enough at that. But instead of saying to ourselves, yeah, I choose that because keeping my shoes shined is not what my passion or my focus is, we feel kind of always inadequate about that. Like somehow or other, I should be an immaculate shoe shiner as well as everything else. That's my problem with work-life balance because balance implies you can do it all if you just balance it right. And what I'm saying is, if you try to put it all in your exhibit, you will have a cluttered mess. So don't do that. And so instead of feeling guilty and inadequate about the places where you're just good enough, consciously choose that say yeah that's my decision those are things that are of secondary importance to me yes i need to do them and this is both by the way in my work life and in my personal life but if i'm going to be great at anything i have to be mediocre at a lot of other things my my quip is that even leonardo da vinci was not great at everything he did right right you know? it'd be interesting to read some of the journals that he put out there because i know that there's been a lot of those revealed about the things that he just didn't do very well well, yeah. yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure, you know, he did. I mean, he did more things with greatness than practically any other human being in the history of the world. But I'm sure he had his little areas that he was just barely good enough at and other things that he chose not to do. And either somebody else did them for him or he didn't. They didn't get done. 
I think part of what makes this so hard, this mediocrity piece, is that we all grow up with this these these sl- these sayings. You know, the good is the enemy of the great. Mm-hmm. That's nonsense. The good is the friend of the great. If I settle for good, it will enable me to be great at the things that that for me are the heart of my exhibit. What what I want to dive into a little bit more now is the idea of con- like recuration on a constant level because I think that a lot of people and when I talk about crafting your time, I call it time crafting because you're never going to be done. Like a craftsperson never says, like an actor would never say, "Oh, you know what? I've mastered it. I don't need to get better at it anymore. I've got the craft down." A, a, you know, a great actor, even a, a good or great performer, will always say, "You know, I can always get better at my craft." And you talk right. about the idea of recuration. So what does that like? What does that look like for people who already feel like, you know what, I've started this process um, and the, the, the likelihood of getting comfortable. And I want to talk about comfort zone stuff in a minute. And, mm-hmm. you know, how do you how do you know when it's time to recurate? How do you know what that process looks like? So that way you can kind of say, oh, you know what, this thing that was part of this exhibit, for lack of a better term at this point, uh, you know, this no longer serves me, or I need to elevate this. Sure. Um, I want to take a quick uh, moment just to comment on the fact that this is another thing where I prefer curation to balance. Sure. Because if you think about a circus acrobat balancing on a tightrope, that person has to shift his or her balance like every second and a half. Do you know what I mean? It's, yep. a, it's a constant shifting. Yep. If you think about a museum and the exhibits, I mean, if a museum doesn't recurate from time to time, it's going to get stale and nobody's going to come anymore. So you have to take out old exhibits and put in new exhibits, but it doesn't have to be done every second. Like one kind of curation could last for six months or a year or even five years in some cases. So it's not as exhausting as balance. Um, but yes, nobody's exhibit is going to last. Nobody's going to have the If you have the same exhibit when you're 65 that you did when you're 25, something is wrong with your life. Right. Um, so I think what I see with you, recuration, is basically two kinds of situations. One is something in my environment changes. You know, I have my first child is probably the biggest recuration challenge in most people's lives. Um, a marriage starts or ends. I take a different job. I move to a new community. Um, so those are things where my environment changes and that requires me to make a change. But the other part of that is that something in me shifts and I, I can get personal here for a minute. I, I was a psychotherapist for a long time. It's very hard work. It took me a long time to get good at it. I got good at it and eventually I got bored with it. Mm. And to my great surprise, I realized, hey, you know what? I don't want to do this for another 20 years. All right, that's that's one of those times then that you have to recurate. Because if you keep doing something where you're feeling stale, not only will your happiness go down, but your productivity, you won't be as good at what you're doing anymore. So that was the point that I started looking around for, okay, I've got all this experience about how understanding how people tick and helping people change, where else could I put that to good use? And as I say, I got interested in how could psychology be helpful to business executives? But I had the good sense to recognize that if I wanted to do that, I probably needed to learn something about business first. 
Um, so that was when I went back to school and got my MBA. Talk about a recuration. Right. I mean, it was gigantic. For two years, I was going to school full time and still running my psychological practice. Um, so that was massive. Um, so those are the times when, as I said, either because of external circumstances, right now is a good example. It, you know, uh, as we talk today, we're in the middle of the COVID crisis. Mm -hmm. And believe me, a lot of people have to recurate because of something that has happened to them. Um, but over the longer term, it can also come from a shift in my sense of what's important to me in my life right now. Let's shift gears for a second and talk about discipline and the correlation between discipline and freedom. A yes. lot of people, and again, I keep saying a lot of people, but I mean, very, very, very general here, but I've come across many of my clients when they first start working with me, or even just people I just talk about that, that they freedom is one of those things where if there's too many constrictions or there's too much, uh, surrounding it, they feel like, you know, um, constrained that it doesn't, uh, that they're not free. And the idea of, I want to just touch on this, the correlation between discipline and freedom, because, you know, I, I set up my frameworks in a way that allow that really foster freedom. And it's a hard thing for people to grasp, like, you know, Hey, by having this framework or this, 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 uh, process in place, it actually allows me to be free, but the human, but their brains go, but, but, but I feel like I'm constrained because of this framework. So therefore I'm not free. So let me not have anything so that I can feel free. So there's, I mean, what does, what does that look like? This idea of, you know, discipline and freedom go hand in hand in a lot of ways. Yes. I, you and I are, are singing the same tune here. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, first of all, I think that curating your life is a tough discipline. Right. It requires understanding yourself and it requires consciously making choices that are going to get you where you want to go and enable you to be who you want to be. And without that, you're going to have an aimless, drifting kind of life, which is neither as productive nor as joyful and satisfying as a life which has meaning and purpose and accomplishment in it. Um, so I think I couldn't agree with you more that discipline is absolutely essential for freedom. And there are limits and there are times when we need to kick over the traces a little bit, when we need to say, uh, no, I'm not gonna do the thing I, I'm supposed to be doing today. And once again, we have choices to make because you can break the rules in ways that are profoundly destructive and make a mess. And, you know, then you're going to have to spend all kinds of energy cleaning up the mess you made. But there are ways that you can be a little bit bad. And all of us need that from time to time. We need just to, you know, do that little thing we're not supposed to be doing. Um, and, and give ourselves the space to do that. Otherwise, the discipline becomes so heavy and so exhausting that we are more likely to do that, throw the whole thing over the hill, which is destructive. Am I making sense? Oh, totally, totally. Well, I, and I think that that yeah, discipline doesn't have to be, um, you don't have to make things overly complicated to have discipline. You know, you, you can put things in, and I remember talking with um, Nir Ayal about this and, and other people when they say, you know, like put these um, simple things in place to keep you disciplined as opposed to, you know, just trying to rely on your own willpower or your own, uh, you know, your own um, 
energy or, or what have you to yeah. to allow you to do that. Like it's it's okay. And I think that's the other thing too is that it's not a sign of weakness to say, you know what, I need to go. Peter Shankman talked about this on I think on the episode I have where he said yeah, he goes to gym or he goes to bed rather wearing his gym clothes because it's mm-hmm. one step closer to the workout that he's going to need to do because and he's thinking second order thinking you know the idea of if i wear my if by wearing my my gym clothes to bed i will work out which will then lead me to having the healthy body that i have which will then lead me to having a healthier healthier happier life he's thinking about that last thing not the uh who goes to bed in their gym clothes that's that's not that's not normal right so so i think that that those simple things can help right totally in fact I, there's a chunk of the book um, that I wrote actually with some very useful input from my research assistant who um, it, it had, had very recently earned a PhD in psychology and he knew a lot of cool stuff. So we put our heads together around this um, about ways in which people can um, battle procrastination and, you know, accomplish the things that they want to accomplish in a timely manner, which, you know, absolutely that to me is... The way I think about this, Mike, is I put it into three zones. There's the white zone, Mm -hmm. which is where I'm being who I want to be. And, you know, frankly, you know, perhaps modeling kinds of behaviors that I would like other people to to follow as well. And I want to live in the white zone most of the time. There is the black zone where I'm doing something that's really stupid, destructive, harmful. I'm stealing from my employer. I'm, uh, I don't know, cheating on my spouse, whatever. Things that are really betrayals of relationships or who I am. I don't want to ever go there. But in between, there's something I call the gray zone. And that's what I mean about being a little bit bad. I'll give you a personal example. When I was writing the book, I set aside chunks of time for writing. Because I have a busy life. And if I don't set aside chunks of time, it's not going to happen. Right. And my job was to write during those times. And there was one afternoon I was writing and I was tired and I was feeling distracted. And I thought, you know what? I just need to take a little break. So I wandered into the living room and thought, I'll just watch television for 15 minutes. Mm. Well, two hours later, <laughs> I finished the movie that I had started to watch. Yep. That's an example of gray zone. Okay. If I do that every day, I'm not going to have the book. But if I do it once, and instead of beating myself up, I say, you know what? I guess I probably needed to do that. Okay, I'll get back on track tomorrow. Right. That's that's that allowing yourself, I call it busting loose, just being a little bit bad. Yep. And it's 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 I think an essential part of that that balance and that tension between discipline and freedom. Well, and I think it's reasoned. It's a reasoned and it's, it's, I mean, we're human, right? Like a lot of people, when, when they, when they're looking at the, and this again, goes back to what you talked about earlier about the idea of it's okay to be good or mediocre is, is people are like, if they push themselves so hard to be great at everything, they're going to burn out and they're good. And they're going to miss the, the actual joy of living a life as opposed to, because we hear about like engineering and designing a life and all that. And uh, I mean, I love the idea of designing a life because there's a, there's a softness to it and it alludes to the idea of curating your life too. But when you hear like, um, you know, the idea of processing, like any, I, I think one of the most dangerous things that you need to pay attention to, and it's very hard because things move so quickly, usually right now, 
you know, again, as we're, you know, recording this, some things are moving slower than others, which gives us a time to be more thoughtful and mindful about this stuff to a degree, right? Mm -hmm. But I think that whenever I'm a big fan of words and anyone who's listened to the show before knows that. So when I saw curating and I see the word balance and I hear the words, you know, like uh, I love the terms like awareness, focus, clarity. Those are softer words that have a huge impact if you tap into them. But when you hear terms like, when I hear words like, well, sometimes, perhaps, like those ambiguous terms, I don't like those nearly as much to a degree. But I can mm -hmm. tell you, I definitely don't like things like, you know, um, engineering or any of those harder words that make you sound, that make it sound mechanical or even technical yes. to a point. When those show up too many times, it's the opposite of what you were talking about, where like busting loose, where you're like, honing in and and becoming almost machine-like or mechanical yeah. the problem with that is that that's not sustainable even for a machine it's not sustainable let alone a human well i again we're singing the same song mike and i will tell you one of the things i did as i was writing my book was i read a number of other productivity books and mostly found them pretty disappointing uh, for a number of reasons some of them it seemed to me were all about only considering yourself and your own needs and your own goals and completely disregarding what anybody around you might need or want, which struck me as not a very good manual for, mo for most of us for how to live. Um, or as you say, it was like it's mechanical, it's, it's a machine and plug it in and go, 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 go. And human beings are just much more complicated than that. Right. Um, so yeah, totally agree with what you said. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. Okay, it's time to take a break from the conversation, but when we come back, I'm going to talk to Gail about a few more things, including her views on wanting to escape the comfort zone. First, I want to talk to you about shipping and the importance for e-commerce businesses to get shipping done in two days or less because it's the new standard. As a growing business, 
How can you keep up? Well, I'd like to talk to you about Shippo, which is your business's new secret weapon. Shippo is the only shipping software for growing businesses that you can start today, set up in minutes, and then ship today. Because they ship hundreds of millions of packages, Shippo's volume discounts save you up to 90% off carrier rates. Simply connect your online store to Shippo, no coding or technical expertise required, and they will instantly identify the lowest shipping rates from 55 plus top global carriers like UPS, USPS, FedEx, and DHL. Your orders are automatically pulled in and ready to go. Just click, print, and ship. Plus, automated return labels are free. You only pay if your customers use them. Companies that use Shippo save thousands of dollars, free up hours of valuable time, which you know is important, and on average grow 77% year over year. So join over 100,000 companies like Goat, Hims, and MeUndies who are saving up to 90% off carrier rates with Shippo. Now, for Productivity is Podcast listeners, Shippo is offering their best discount available anywhere. Get a shipping consultation and Shippo Pro Plan six-month trial for free. Just go to goshippo.com slash timecrafting. That's up to a $7,000 value for free at goshippo.com slash timecrafting. So go right now and get your shipping consultation and Shippo Pro Plan six-month trial for free at goshippo.com slash timecrafting. Take advantage of what Shippo is offering you today. Now, Gail and I have been talking about curating your life, but what about you curating your apps? Well, you don't have to do that because Setup will do that for you. Setup packs over 180 high quality apps into one. There's an app for almost any task so you can stay in your flow and finish what you started. New apps are always being added to Setapps. Updates are free and all the apps are full featured pro versions. And Setup has a dedicated curation team. See what I did there? That only selects the highest quality apps. Setup is also a great value at just $9.99 a month. So instead of paying thousands for separate licenses, there's just one flat monthly fee. You don't have to spend time on app discovery and testing. Setup makes it easy to get the best tools when you need them. They're already in Setup. So Setup is a subscription for Mac apps, and I really want you to take advantage of what Setup has to offer. I've been using them, and I love it. There is an app for you in Setup. There's an app for everybody in Setup. In fact, there's more than one app in Setup for everyone. Give Setup a try. Just visit setup.com and try it for seven days for free. So what are you waiting for? Give Setup a try. It's free for seven days when you visit setapp.com. Again, there's over 180 apps in there. There's bound to be many apps that will work for you. So go ahead, visit setapp.com, put Setup through the paces for seven days for free. I love it. I know you will too. One of the things I want to do in my life is to learn more. I'm continuing to do that, and the UCI Division of Continuing Education can help you do that as well. The UCI Division of Continuing Education has courses and certifications in a wide range of categories. So you can explore a ton of stuff through what the UCI Division of Continuing Education has to offer. There's business, leadership, IT, project management, law, human resources, and over 60 convenient certificates and specialized studies programs on campus and online designed for the working professional. Continuing education is is a great way to stay on top of developments and best practices in your field and UCI Continuing Education can help you gain the edge in your career 
or even help you start a business. They provide you with the flexibility to stay on top of your game in your current role while preparing you to level up. Now, certificate programs offer best practices and teach the most relevant practical skills, and there are certificate programs and specialized studies programs available. Again, certificate programs offer an in-depth body of knowledge, so they ensure you gain mastery of a particular topic, whereas specialized studies feature shorter, more concentrated curricula for those that are short on time. Both are distinctive achievements that can help prepare you for career advancement or transition. And get this, you can advance your career in as little as six months. Enrollment is now open for the summer quarter. Courses begin as early as June 22nd. That's right around the corner. And if you're interested in learning more about these programs, but you're concerned about the cost, well, UCI has scholarship options for those that qualify. So visit ce.uci.edu slash productivityist and then enter the promo code TIMECRAFTING to get 15% off of one course. That's ce.uci.edu slash productivityist. Enter that promo code TIMECRAFTING get 15% off of one course. Now, this offer is only valid until July 31st, 2020 at 11.59 p.m. And the discount is for almost all of the certificate programs. The exceptions only include coding boot camps, international programs, teacher credentialing programs, and test prep courses. So don't delay. Enroll with the UCI Division of Continuing Education today. Go to ce.uci.edu slash productivityist, enter the promo code TIMECRAFTING, Get your 15% discount off of one course today. Now let's get back to my conversation with Gail Golden here on the Productivityist Podcast. Let's touch on as we get close to wrapping up the idea of comfort. Um, the comfort zone, and, and, and this is going to tie everything nicely together, I think, too, is uh, in uncertain times, we strive for comfort because it's a level of certainty and security. I, I can give you a personal example. Um, I'm a, I'm a pro wrestling fan. So uh, I watched the WrestleMania show this past uh, weekend recording, you know, in, in, in mid April or early April now, and it was an escape. It felt comfortable. Mm -hmm. And you even said earlier, like the idea of watching TV, you know, it, 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 it there's a comfort to that. There is some, sure. um, you, I want to touch on the idea of leaving, not escape. See, I think that the comfort zone is, is a lot of people like, Oh, I want to get out of the comfort zone. Um, and I think that some people get so absolute about it. Like they don't want to be there ever. Can we talk about the comfort zone and, and your idea of like leaving it? But I think there's some moments where you have to be able to lean back into it. Like you discussed, you know, I feel as if that word comfort is a little slippery and we're using it to mean two different things. So I just want to clarify. Let's do that. Yeah, because that's that's yeah. that's a good that's a good. Uh, I mean, again, I'm a word nerd, so I want to hear what your thoughts are on it for sure. Sure. So so one one kind of comfort is when life is very stressful um, and I, you know, the great deal of demands on me, life is very uncomfortable and I want to, you know, eat the kind of soup my mom made for me when I was a little kid, or watch reruns of Hogan's Heroes on television. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Something that's just easy, low demanding, and gets me away from the stress. And again, I mean, if you live in that zone, you're probably in trouble. And you know, you need to see the kind of psychologist that I used to be. But um, to spend some time there is a way of restoring myself and my my, my energy so I can go out and do the things I need to do. So I, 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 that's one kind of comfort zone. And I think it has to be part of a curated life. The other kind of comfort zone is when in my work or my other endeavors, 
I'm comfortable. I know what I'm doing. I've got, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got a good competency. Um, I'm getting good reviews from my boss, whatever. And there come points in our lives, I think, when we need to push ourselves beyond that. Right. And again, I'm, I'm in favor of comfort. I don't think pain is a good idea. If I can avoid pain, I'm going to do it. Um, but when comfort becomes what? Um, boredom. Or, compl or, or, or complacency. Complacency. That's the big one. Or, exactly. Uh, or fear. Yep. You know, I'd like to do some more, but I'm afraid I, I don't think I'd be able to do that. Yep. I mean, I will tell you, the first day that I sat down in a business school class, with all these high-powered people who were already business executives, and here am I, you know, Dr. Gail Golden, who's never run a business except for my own psychological practice. I was scared. I felt so far out of my own medium, and and I was I was right. I was out of my own medium. Well, and the other thing is, so, I, I bet you when you sat down to write the book, as I did when I sat down, who am I to write a book? Who's going to listen to that? Like the negative self-talk, which you also touch on in the book, it's like that kind of stuff can push you back into the comfort zone for sure too and can and keep you from moving forward, right? Well, totally. And so pushing yourself out of that comfort zone to me, for most of us, not constantly, but from time to time, we need to do that. We need to scare ourselves. We need to uh, challenge ourselves. We need to say, you know what? I reached this level and this is great. And that was what I was going for. And now... I'm ready to go for the next thing, whatever that may be. And by the way, I think that's something that goes throughout your life. I think we have a tendency to imagine that if you're over 40 or over 50 or over 60, you know, it's time to sit in a rocking chair and watch the world go by. <laughs> I mean, the people that I know who are later in life, they're, they're doing this. They're pushing themselves in, in, and, and, and taking on new endeavors and trying new things. And it's one of the things I think that's keeping them alive and healthy and contributing. So, so yes, in that sense, pushing out of your comfort zone, I think is really important. Gail, if somebody picks up this book and when they mm -hmm. do, not so much of an if, because you want to push yes. yourself beyond the comfort zone. So you want to curate your life. So if you pick up the book, curating your life, ending the struggle for work-life balance, what's one simple, not necessarily easy, but simple action that they can take to start the process of curating their life today? My goodness, I, I think what hops into my mind is an idea which is actually not original with me, but it's a lot of what the book is based on, which is quit thinking about managing time. Mm. You can't, you cannot manage time. You get 24 hours a day and there's not a darn thing you can do about it and it just keeps coming. So don't manage time, manage your energy. Right. So that means if somebody asks me to do something, instead of thinking, do I have the time for that? which is a work-life balance question. Instead, I say to myself, do I want to use my energy for that? And the follow-up question is, if I'm going to put my energy into that, what am I going to do less of? And if there's not something that I'm going to do less of, then I can't do this new thing because my energy is already at full capacity. Right. So it's shifting the questions that we ask to, to get answers that are going to be workable, where we're not trying to do too much of the things that don't really matter. Gail, that's, that's a great way to wrap things up. Where can people pick up the book and learn more about you and the work you're doing? Well, it's on Amazon, um, launching as of April the 8th. And uh, you can order, so you can order it on, on Amazon. And there are other book websites as well. It's not in bookstores, but I'm sure you can order it through bookstores. But, you know, the, the, the online book websites are the way to go. Gail, thanks so much for joining me today on the Productivities Podcast.
Thank you for asking me. This was really fun.